You're listening to the Culture and Talent Podcast from Nemours Children's Health. Welcome to the Nemours Culture and Talent Podcast. I'm your host for today, Jared Narlock, the Strategic Culture and Talent Program Manager with Nemours. And I am joined by an amazing guest today, someone who I highly admire and who has been a wonderful partner and team member. And I'll let her introduce herself. Jared, thank you so much. My name is Mary Huntington, and I have the pleasure of being a collaborator of, of Jared's and a partner with Jared um, here at Nemours, and I serve as a talent development and engagement manager. Excellent. Thanks, Mary, for sharing that. And I know recently you and I were talking about development programs because it's a question that has been coming up more and more. We've seen leaders take their growth to new levels in the organization through our leader program and different leaders reaching out and sharing, hey, I, I want to have more of an intentional focus around developing my associates. And so we thought that would be a great thing to discuss. What does it truly mean to be an impactful leader and have that intentionality around development programs? Because we know that barriers do exist. We encounter so many leaders that have that heart of leadership that want to develop their people, but have said, it's been a struggle because of this or because of that, which are very real barriers that come into play. But at the same time, we know the importance of development. In fact, I want to share a few data points around just how impactful development can be from performance management, which we know performance management is a meaningful, purposeful way to work towards someone's development with goals and with intentionality. And at Nemours, we have quarterly check-ins where leaders can use a software system that allows a check-in so that there's some documentation, there's some goals, and their associates can be a part of that. And these data pieces were just so insightful in realizing that just through that, you can see a 57% improvement in team functioning, a 56% increase in overall associate engagement, a 51% increase in productivity, 31% increase in well-being of associates, and 22% improvement in overall retention. And this came from a, a Gardner study. And those numbers, Mary, they're just so astonishing that through development, just development of a leader taking time with their associate, their associate engaging, that's what happens. And it really puts the emphasis on how associates value their growth and development. And so I'd love to hear your perspective. If there's only one thing that they could do to start developing others, because we know some, some barriers exist, and we'll talk about some of those, but just right out the, the gate, what, what's the one thing you would recommend that a leader could be intentional around that they're going to see some of those impacts of those data points that we mentioned? Jared, you know what? Those numbers are staggering to me, right? And so I think that a lot of times organizations don't fully understand the power that is behind associate and, and leadership development. They don't understand that power and they see development almost as a, you know, an extra or a fluff or a, hey, this would be nice to have. And they don't invest the time or the money or the, the level of commitment that should be invested into it, into it. But those numbers are, are really kind of highlighting the importance of development. But like you said, you know, time is a, is, is a big thing and, and taking the time to develop an individual 
is is real. And when our leaders are being pulled in a lot of different directions, that takes time up. But I think that if you can do one thing as a leader, just one thing, it's to set up those quarterly or regular check-ins. And the reason I say that is that when you get to know the associates that work with you, that you support as a leader, and you get to know them both personally and professionally, you develop them just by having the conversation. You're teaching them, you're showcasing those skills by leading by example. And I think that there is such a power in just speaking with your associates and taking those that time out to, to create those connections. And also listening to them, having the conversations around what is it that they want to do next. Not only ask that question, but listen to the answer. Because that listening piece is so key as well, because that's where you as a leader can start to get those nuggets of what is important to them, what are their values, what do they they like to do. You already know what they're good at, right? But you're, you're their leader. You should know exactly what they're good at. Find out what they like to do as well. And then you can start tapping into it and it, you're going to start to increase those measures that you said earlier, Jared. So if I could recommend one thing for you as a leader is just to have a conversation and, and check in with your associates. Yeah, I would so agree with that, Mary, in that those check-ins are one-to-ones uh, as well, kind of go hand in hand of establishing those relationships. People appreciate that. They appreciate time with their leader and when their leader is getting to know them and them getting to know their leader as well. That's part of that authenticity and that humanity. And that can lead to those development conversations. You can bring intentionality into that. I remember I had this opportunity to hire this individual right out of a school and her name was Kate. And Kate was very curious but she had not experienced that that type of workplace setting where there was development. And so at first, I got to know Kate and what interested her about the role as she was learning. What parts was she most excited about? What were the things that she had a lot of questions around? I started to write that down and craft those next conversations when we were having those one-to-ones. She was newer to the team, so I was meeting with her one-to-one for anywhere from 30 to 60 minutes for every other week. And I had to be intentional. As you mentioned, as a leader, I was in a director role at that time. It's very busy. And associates are busy as well, too. And so wanted to respect Kate's time, but I knew she was appreciating that. And I remember about three months in, we started to talk about goals. And I said, Kate, I noticed you have been really excited about this. Would you want to set a goal around that? And she said, yeah, I think so. And I said, okay, look for ways that you can craft that goal. And she looked at me and she said, okay, Jared, how would I do that? And I appreciated the the trust that she didn't think she had to know that. And I thought, well, that's true. This is her first time. And so I had to be very deliberate and talk about, hey, you can go and research. Here's some ways to research. Let's start there and let's focus on talking about that next time. But what I saw, she came back is, you know, she took the ownership, she took the accountability at that direction and she came back with a couple of great ideas and she said, hey, I found this. Is that something I'd be you know, available to do and, and could you partner with me? And I said, by all means. And of course, I'm also thinking in my mind, that might take some time. How can I figure that out? But I love the passion and energy that's right in front of me. I share Kate as an example because there I was with Kate years and years ago in her first role. 
And I, you know, since have moved on and she moved on to different organizations. And one of the biggest highlights was when Kate reached out and told me she was in her first supervisory role. And then a few years later, she reached out and told me she was in her first manager role. And I look at those numbers and that's where I share, share that story because that's where those numbers come to life. When you see that and you see the way she impacted that organization while we were both there and where she's at now. And, and I have no doubt, you know, she still has ties to that community. She, you know, moved for uh, different family reasons, but she may go back there one day and, and continue to grow and invest in that. And you never know where development is going to take someone. And as a leader, we have that special opportunity. But as we mentioned, there are barriers and that's a real piece. And so what do you see, Mary, as, as some of the most common barriers that you've both encountered as a leader or you've had other leaders encounter that you've helped them work through, what might be some of those barriers that a leader may face around development? So there are barriers. The first is that that time barrier, right? That you you just mentioned it. I mentioned it earlier. Um, taking 30 to 60 minutes every other week, that's a time suck, right? But when you think about the benefits and rewards on the back end of development and having those conversations it actually saves time because when you don't have those conversations, when you don't know, then you end up dealing with retention issues. You end up dealing with behavior issues. You end up dealing with performance issues. And then it's a real time suck. So when you think about time, it takes exactly what you said, Jared. It takes intentionality. It takes managing your calendar in a way that says, hey, I'm going to dedicate this time to do this for my associates, to have this one-on-one with these associates. Managing your time efficiently and effectively is a key component. But it's not only using your calendar, because I know this happens on my calendar quite frequently. You put these things with the best intentions on, and then it becomes, oh, I'm being asked to do this. I can just move this one-on-one, or I can just shift this opportunity that I have to fill out my thank you cards and do reward and recognition because I can push that off. They won't mind. But at the end of the day, that starts to impact associates as well. So managing your calendar and really holding those time commitments as sacred is a key part of it as well. It feels overwhelming, but when it comes down to it, you're really saving yourself on the back end. The other thing that the other barrier that tends to come up is, and I love the fact that you used your example with Kate and not knowing how to write a goal, is that's a barrier that comes up for leaders. I don't know how to have this conversation. And that's a real thing. Having a development conversation should be structured. It should be meaningful. It should be impactful. And here's the thing, leaders, if you've never had a development conversation, yes, it's a conversation, but your associate should be doing the heavy lift of the work afterwards. You should be the facilitator of that conversation and giving them the support that they need and removing barriers if they come up. But as far as the development goal, as far as the development work, that is on them. And so not knowing how to have those conversations can really be a barrier for folks. So how can you reach out to those that developed you, take those examples, or reach out to supports within your organization. If you're in Nemours, reach out to the culture and talent team to say, hey, how do I have these conversations? 
We have a lot of tools and resources as it relates to those good questions to ask during development conversations and, and how to actually how to do it and what you should be focusing on. And so I think that those are two big barriers that often come up for leaders, and it certainly should not stand in your way. And if you've done the step that I told you in, told you in the beginning as far as building those connections and those relationships, if you make mistakes during those conversations, you've already built the relationship, you've already built the trust, and they're going to forgive you for those mistakes that you may have made, or they will forgive you for the missteps that you've made along the way. So I think that those are some some key things to think of um, when you're you're building those development plans and having those conversations. Yeah, Mary, time and realizing that we will make mistakes. And sometimes leaders put that emphasis on their, their shoulders of, again, I'm in the role and so I've got to get this right. But we're all human. And just as our associates make mistakes at times, we're going to make mistakes. And that's part of that vulnerability. You, you mentioned that forgiving or that grace that comes forward. And so stepping into it, even if you're unsure, step in and, and work towards it. It's part of that relationship and partnership with your associate to, to truly build on that, as you mentioned. And as you were sharing that, I thought about this associate that I had the privilege to lead years ago, and her name was Jeannie. And this is a big one too, as a barrier that that some leaders have shared time probably being the biggest one. And you mentioned creating that sacred time, figuring that out, getting in that habit of holding to that because it will ultimately save time in the long run as your associates grow and develop. You are working with them to enhance their skills. They're going to be able to support you and their fellow team members and the organization in different ways. And then not knowing how to have that conversation work towards crafting that, growing your skill set, how you flex that. And then a, a third one I'll mention is in regards to Jeannie, where sometimes I've had leaders say, well, some of my associates, they don't want to grow and develop. They don't want those opportunities. And I thought that was the case too, where Jeannie was, when I started leading this team, an individual who came in, they clocked in, they did a good job, and they clocked out and went home. And they would tell me, I'm not looking for that development opportunity. Is that okay? And I said, well, I, I want you to because I know the impact that that can have. Again, going back to those data points that we mentioned, those aren't new. Those have been around for a while. That's a new study as, as the numbers continue to rise as greater impact when people are developed and, and how impactful that can be if you are a leader that puts that emphasis. With Jeannie... I still had that notion that, I, oh, I guess there are some associates that just want to come in, do their job, and, and go home. It doesn't mean we still don't try as leaders. And, and one day I was having a one-to-one with her, and I asked her a question, and it's a question I had asked numerous times before. This was about four to five months into me having the, the opportunity to be her leader. And I asked it a little bit differently. And she said, Jared, you haven't asked me that question that way before. And now as I'm sitting here thinking about it, you know, I think there is something that I would like to, to focus on. And she went through this process and she said, can I do that? I, I'm not sure because there's other people involved. And I said, Jeannie, yes, you can do that. Let's talk more about that. And I saw her start to get excited. And I saw her step into experimenting with this process. And it was a small thing. And she came back the next time we met. She said, Jared, this went like this and, and this is what happened. I got this feedback. That was really cool. I, I didn't know I could do that. 
And I said, well, that's great, Jeannie. Is, is there anything else you want to work on around that? And she said, well, yeah. I mean, this area here, can I do this? And what I saw was I saw someone that transitioned from being ambivalent, you could maybe even say not fully engaged, to now her level of engagement just rose dramatically, her excitement. And over the time, I was I was her leader for a few years, I saw her grow, her develop. And I got to connect with her about two years ago, and it had been probably four or five, maybe even six years removed from being her leader. She's still in the same role with that organization. She has that loyalty. She has that retention, right? She loves what she's doing. But when I say she's still in the same role, that role looks very different. And she was sharing that with me. She said, you know, Jared, guess what I do now in this role? I do this and and here's this. And, and I get to partner with people this way. And when I was talking to her, it was because I'd seen her at a development opportunity. Yeah, She had reached out and said, hey, I'm going to be at this. And so we were talking. When I had first met with her, she said, no, I'm, I'm not really interested in those development opportunities. That wasn't something she would normally do. And so to come full circle to see that, it was so exciting. And I could have, in month three, of regularly asking her those questions of how do you want to develop? What does that look like for you? And her saying, no, I'm good. I could have just checked the box and said, hey, there's some there's someone here that doesn't want to develop. That's that's a thing. Some people just don't want it. That was a mindset that I had heard from others. But the reality is people do. We just have to find where is that. And it will take time. And so did she know that was important to her? Not at that time because she hadn't experienced it. But where it came, how it went. And I think you can tell my passion. And, and I probably got a little, little long-winded with that story there, Mary. But you know, wanted to hit home the impact that that relationship can have between leader and associate when development is a focus. And, you know, Mary, I would love to get your insights as a, as a leader is what's the one thing I know you talked about check-ins of starting for development, but if, if there was a starting point that a leader today said, I don't know where to start. I don't have time to have a check-in with every single one of my direct reports or, you know, round, what would you say would be that, that, biggest starting point just to say, okay, start here and you can build from there? I think that the number one thing that I would say is get out from behind your desk and walk around. And so if you're not able to do one-to-ones right away, get to know your team. Say good morning, say good evening. If you're in a remote environment, give them a call. And just, you know, and and connect with them on an individual basis. Find out who they are from a personal perspective. Because that's the foundation of relationships, building those connections, building that trust. And I think that more than anything, that is the starter of those development conversations. So if you're not able to do something concrete and continuous on a regular basis, start with having those conversations with your teams in whatever form it looks like. It can be just walking around and saying, good morning. It can be, hey, how was your weekend? It can be on a huddle, starting out with celebrations or recognitions instead of going right into the work. Making connections with your teams in a way that is meaningful and impactful. I would say start right there. Oh, I think that is such a great starting point, Mary, and I, I love that. You mentioned the aspect of walking around and I want to touch on remote as well, right? Because I I know the intent. I want to make sure to clarify for everyone. If you're remote, that also means 
set that five minute check-in with your team members. And, and I say check-in meaning that, you know, it's on their calendar. So it may look a little bit more formal than getting out there and, and walking around as Mary mentioned, but it's the same impact to the, to where your team knows, because I've had different remote leaders say, how do I do that now? What does that look like? Well, get in that habit of, of saying, okay, I know I have these 30 minutes that's regularly there. I'm going to schedule just quick five minutes to see how people are doing and connect with them. And maybe it's a, a phone over the phone, maybe it's a video, but it's that same purposeful impact, that meaningful impact. And what I heard throughout that, Mary, was you know, bring in your genuineness as a leader and others will feel that, they will connect to that. And then from there, start reflecting on how you can intentionally grow that. So really great points, Mary, and appreciate you bringing those insights forward because as you've shared, developing others can be so impactful. It's enriching for them. It's enriching for you. I mean, as a leader, we have some of that selfish intent that we get out of it. You could hear me sharing about Jeannie. I get so excited when I think about that and how I saw her transition. And so if you're on the fence, because ultimately as leaders, lots of times we're asked for those business metric outcomes. And we look at that and say, oh, we have to work towards that. And we have to drive people towards that. But the reality is when we're taking the time to invest in our people, they will work towards driving those outcomes. It's part of a a natural process. And so encourage you to reflect on that. Think about what is that one thing, as Mary said, if, if you're already out doing those pieces, then how do you build off of that? But those small steps. Thank you so much for joining me today, Mary, and uh, look forward to future conversations with you. And thank you to our listeners. And if you are looking for any resources or any insights, feel free to reach out to us at talentdevelopment at nemours.org. We'll be happy to share. The Nemours Culture and Talent Podcast is produced and edited by Carol Vassar Media Productions for Nemours Children's Health. Music is courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions in Turner's Falls, Massachusetts. Your questions, comments, and ideas about the podcast are welcome. Just email podcast at nemours.org. That's podcast at nemours.org. Find this and our flagship podcast, Well Beyond Medicine, on your favorite podcast app. And thanks for listening.